What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the 10th episode of Backyard Footy, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's bgn.fm on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the bgn.fm. I have my special guest here with me, Dennis Chin, Kevin Kerr, and Ben Zemanski. A little background on us. Chin and I actually played against each other back in 2014. I was a rookie. What year were you in that league? Mm-hmm. That was my fourth year. Yeah, and he was with Orlando. They won the regular season championship, lifting up the trophy and stuff. I'll never forget that, playing against him. And it's just funny how life works now that here we are playing together. Ben, we have the same mutual friends. We uh, went to a gr- high school with a friend of ours named Letty Booth, who he used to work with. I think she works in the MLS Players Union. And I've been following his career throughout the MLS, and now here we are together playing. And last but not least, Kevin Kerr. I've been playing against Kevin for the past four years now, one of the USL's all-time legends. We've had plenty of battles, many, many battles over the years, and... Now here we are, we're also locker room buddies, so I like to pick his brain a little bit and hear his opinion on things, but it's just funny how life works, and now I get to interview my man, and we're playing on the same team. So without further ado, I welcome my guests. What's up, guys? How's everything? Good, good. How's it going, big man? How are you guys enjoying Pittsburgh? It's, it's pretty good so far. Not too vague, no complaints. Yeah? What do you guys do leisurely in your spare time? Yeah, I've, I've got a missus here. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm settled here. This is my <laughs> sixth year. Big fan of the city, mm-hmm. you know. I think uh, I can see myself here for a good while. Yeah. Uh, this is our first year here. Uh, my wife and I, I was originally born here, so it's uh, almost like a second home. I was mostly raised like two hours west in Ohio. Um, but like I said, we get back for Christmas and, and visiting family here, so uh, nice. it's like a second home. and. It's cool to be uh, settled down here now. Yeah, nice. What are some cool things you guys seen in Pittsburgh so far? Some cool things we've seen. We went to, we went to that, the racing event at Shenley Park. Oh, nice. So that was pretty fun. Saw some cool cars, um, some vintage cars racing. That stands out. Chin, you do anything? Uh, <coughs> sometimes I'm a homebody, but I've gotten out a couple of times. You know, try to, try to explore the city. I like the Lawrenceville area where Ben lives mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, the Oakland area, I guess, where the the university, I guess, is mm-hmm. some nice some nice spots around there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how's the season going in your guys' opinion so far this year? Brilliant, you know. Uh, obviously, I've been here a few years, and the last few years have been tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, results haven't been what we wanted them to be, and you know, this year it's been it's been completely different. You know, we've been leading the pack with Cincy and you know the 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 wins have kept coming and we have a good form at home good form away from home and you know hopefully we can finish out strong and have a good little run into the playoffs mm-hmm. what about for you guys yeah I think that's important what Kev said <laughs> is we're confident whether we're on the road or at home and that's going to help carry us moving forward uh when you have a group like this that, that know we can win anywhere we go, um, it's very important and uh, gives us a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, coming into season, we, we knew we had a pretty talented team. It's just, you know, you just have to get the little things together. And so far, so good, you know. We've had a 
pretty pretty good run, so we're just trying to keep some consistency and see if we can take that into some postseason play. So kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, Kev, kind of comparing it throughout your years here in Pittsburgh, how does this season <coughs> kind of compare for you, as you were saying earlier? Yeah, night and day, really. Obviously, credit to the to the gaffers come in, and I think the biggest difference just got just got everyone on the same page. You know, there's there's many different ways to win games of football, but you know, I think in my experience, the biggest thing is just have everyone on the same page and everyone, you know, doing what they need to do. And boys, great set of lads. I mean, locker rooms as healthiest as the healthiest locker room we've had. Mm-hmm. You know, just real good. Good mix between the older boys and the younger boys, and you know, hard-working group of group of lads. Bob's very demanding, as you know, and uh, you know, boys have been putting in the work. So, if things continue to go the way they have been, I think we'll be will be one of the teams to beat this year. Yeah, that's something I noticed too with the locker room. I mean, coming from Richmond and Bethlehem now, this locker room's pretty lively every single day, and I feel like that's been translating to our chemistry on and off the field and. We've been hanging out as a team, mostly kind of off the field too, and it's always been translating with the older guys and the younger guys. It's a good mix, so sure. I think that's been helping us throughout this season. The winning, the winning probably helps. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but the little things go a long way. So how do you guys enjoy Bob? It's just everyone's first year with Bob. What do you guys think of him this season? I think uh, coming in this season, you know his record is, is he's always in the playoffs, and so you knew you are going to have to... Obviously, I've played against his, some of his teams throughout the years, and there's always battles. So we knew you were going to be a hard-working team, and he's very demanding, as, as Kev was saying. So you just have to be able to take it on board and you know adapt to what he's saying. You know, Some of us have played in much different styles, mm-hmm. much different type styles teams. So it's, it's a little different coming in, and he, but you have to humble yourself and know that he, he knows what he's doing, and he brought the, these players together for a reason. And then he, as soon as you buy in and everyone, we started... Obviously, winning, you know, you just have to go along with it, and it's worked, you know. Right, right. What about for you guys coming from different coaches? Ben coming from the MLS, how does Bob kind of compare for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely demanding, and and uh, he gets uh, what he wants out of guys. Um, I think it's pretty cool how, I mean, he has us playing a lot of different formations, mm-hmm. even formations that I haven't played in whatever my eight-year career uh, before that and then college and all that. Um, he likes to switch up formations, try different tactics, and uh, and guys can roll with it. And I think uh, whatever, if we're comfortable playing whatever formation he wants or whatever style he wants, um, it's going to give us more tools at the end of the year when, when we can throw those out there. Mm-hmm. What about you, for you, Kev? You had a new coach for the past, what, like three seasons here in Pitt? Yeah, I've had a few. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm enjoying it, man. Like, like you say, he he gets a lot out of the boys. You mm-hmm. know, even boys that have been around uh, for the previous years, that seems to be getting more out of them than 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 in the last few years. So um, things going well, and we're set up to to put in a good little run here. So. For you, Dennis and Ben, what kind of made you guys make this leap to come here in Pittsburgh? I know you have family here, you were saying per se, but were you looking at any other options or what kind of yeah, steered you this direction? That was a big draw. Um, it was the point of my career where um, we were looking at what's next too and um, getting involved in some coaching aspects here. Um, 
away from the first team was uh, was definitely a draw and just getting some experience there. Um, having my family a little closer. We were on the West Coast for eight years, so getting back closer to family, we had a big draw. And uh, and yeah, the what, what Bob sold it as is, is what he wanted out of this organization and out of this team. Um, it was exciting, and I wanted to be a part of it. A lot for you, Chen. Um, well, for me, uh, I was overseas for a little bit, and uh, I was I was kept kept tabs on what was going on here, and, and obviously getting out there, I wanted the, the league was growing here, and I wanted to be back in involved in it, and did, I was talking to some coaches, and and when uh, Bob called me, I was very interested in like what he was building. You know, I knew he had success, and out of all the guys that I was talking to, he's one of the guys that watched me play and, mm. and knew what what he could do with me, you know mm. what I mean, with my tools. So that was one of the biggest draws, like, as, you know, someone who believed in you, kind of. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the biggest draws. So And obviously, uh, <laughs> the the team is just as what he drew it up as, you know, we were, we were successful, so it, it, it's been good. Yeah, that's kind of the same for me. I've known Bob for the past five years now and won the USL in 2015 and gave me a phone call and that's kind of what lured me. I was a free agent as well. And, you know, this past off season with the NASL folding, there was a lot of players on the market and everyone was just trying to find a home. So as soon as he gave me this call, I kind of steered my direction coming here. What are some of the challenges when you're facing new coaches, trying to build chemistry? What are some of the challenges when you're coming together with new players and new coaching and new coaching staff? It's always difficult, you know, you start from scratch. I mean, there's times this year, I feel like I've been out, I've been out for, what, 10 years and it was almost back to school in pre-season, yeah. you know. you gotta, you got to start fresh, you got to, you know, Bob's real specific with what he wants from us, so you have to change habits that you've formed over the past few years and, you know, it takes time. And then on top of that, I think for the third year running, there must have been 20 new boys in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, which is another challenge, and it's 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 not it's not common for for things to turn around as quickly as they have. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's credit to the boys. They uh, normally these things take time, and you know we we clicked pretty quick. We had a great preseason, and we kind of rolled with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, long may it last. I know, right? <laughs> so Chin, we're gonna kind of start with you in this. So some of you may not know, but the Chins also have Jamaican, Jamaican mother and a Chinese Jamaican father. I couldn't believe it when he showed me the pictures, the accent and everything. So how did you kind of get involved with soccer? Oh, uh, well, uh, <clears throat> growing up, uh, when I was living in Jamaica, um, my I was more obviously into track and field mm-hmm. at first. and um, But every all the, 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 the guys that got all the attention played football, so... I kind of, I kind of always wanted to play, you know what I mean. But I remember joining the league, and I was pretty bad. <laughs> and even like, even in U10 level Jamaica, is three substitutions, so I was yeah. not touching the field. Yeah. And uh, and I just, but I just kept playing on the streets, playing on the streets, and this, you know what I mean. I started loving the game, and I remember '98 when Jamaica made the World Cup mm-hmm. was like a big influence mm-hmm. for me to see see that happen. I was like, I have to play, and then we moved to the U.S. And then uh, I just kept playing more rec- recreationally, and I started getting better. And then that's just basically how I started, you know. When did you move to the U.S.? How old I moved to like 11. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So you come here and you move straight to Florida? 
Yeah, moved to Florida first. We uh -huh. then we lived there for like a year or so. Moved to Atlanta mm. for like two years and then moved back to Florida. Gotcha. And then when you went back to Florida, that's kind of how you got into the academy down there. Yeah, in high school. Okay. So I started off. It was like Central Florida United, like CFU, gotcha. which down the line became Orlando City. Oh, okay. When Orlando City came, so yeah, so basically, basically through that and went to school in that area, and then I was just. Very lucky. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was after school is done. Um, I said, all right. I wanted. <clears throat> I told my parents because they were more academically. Probably, I have an Asian dad, so mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you know how that goes. He's like, I'll give you a couple months. If you don't, you get a real job. <laughs> and yeah. I was like <clears throat> training up to go on some trials. <clears throat> and then Adrian and uh, Ian Fuller, who were, came from Austin, they brought the team from Austin uh, to go f to become Orlando City. They they were in the area, and then they were looking at some players, some college players that are around, and I wasn't even one of those players, and one of the players went down. And this they, is in high school? No, this is in college. Oh, my last year of college. Okay, okay. And this, one of the players went down, they needed an extra player, and someone thought of me, called me, and then I was the, and I went wow. to this little scrimmage thing, and I, I was the only player they brought in for preseason wow. for my entire group. And then I just ended up making a team from that, and that's, wow. how, I got, <laughs> that's how I got it. So it was like that's super crazy. Lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so backtracking a little bit, you went to Rollins College, right? Yeah. How did you kind of get involved with that from high school? Um, uh, I had like a very in in back in those days, it was like high school soccer was this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before pre pre academy <laughs> days. Before the academy days, you know. So I had like a very very good junior season where like I did all the all all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and so I got a lot of looks. When uh, obviously my Asian parents. So I went to all my, I went to like Columbia University and Cornell University is my official visit. Oh, wow. All Ivy League schools and then for I ended academics. Up, yeah, because okay. for soccer as well. They okay. for soccer. So I ended up uh, signing my level in intent to Columbia actually. Oh, wow. And but my dad is like, hey, if you go into Ivy League school, you don't need to play football. This is for school because Ivy League don't give athletic scholarships yeah. anyways. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. So then I like me and him got back and forth, and then uh, at the end of the day I said no, I want to play. And then Rollins was a uh, obviously, mm -hmm. but it was a D two team, and so my my dad's like, all right, you go here, you play some football, and if you want, then you transfer. Like all the coaches like I transfer after, but I and I went there and I ended up loving it. And I wow. stayed. Wow. Yeah. So in your senior year, you helped Rollins become one of the most winning teams in college history. Yeah. Did you have an idea you're like you? Well, you didn't have an idea you're going pro, right? You just got a lucky trial. No, exactly. I, I wanted to, but you know, everyone was like, "Ah, he's." Yeah. I would, that time I was just a flashy little player. So, yeah. <laughs> the tricks and flicks. Was, when did was that was all, all the time. <laughs> so I had no discipline in my game. So a lot of people didn't think I could make the jump. I had like that obviously speed and everything mm -hmm. and some feet, but like, so I had to really buckle down and like. So when I made the jump. Luckily, through that, when Adrian found me, I was just like, I'm going to listen. And anything the gaffer says, I'm yeah. going to just take it on board, and that's how it... Yeah. So if he didn't give you this opportunity, would you even be playing right now? <laughs> I don't know, because I, I was going to go on some trials, and yeah. uh, you never know. You, these things are so... Trials yeah, are the most yeah. difficult things in football, yeah. so you don't have a good day, you're not going to make it, and right. then, hey, could be a financial planner right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it feel playing for the hometown team? Oh, it was brilliant. Every, it was very, everyone was super supportive. Like, it's just, it was, I, nothing can explain, like, the fan, how the fans were supportive when you're a hometown mm -hmm. player, especially. So, uh, yeah, and winning a title the first season there, too, my first, my rookie season oh, was, wow. 
was like amazing, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it catapults the the entire the football in Central Florida grew so much because of that first season mm-hmm. winning that first season. Obviously, the rest is history now. And, yeah. MLS. Now you guys have a huge fan oh, yeah, supporting yeah, group. Yeah. Now before even MLS. <laughs> yeah. So you end up playing that for four years. You actually made your debut against Pittsburgh in 2011. Right? I didn't even know that until yeah. I signed here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Funny how that. life works. But yeah. you were kind of a super sub role your rookie yeah. year, right? How was that transition from college now to the pros? Oh, it took me a, a while to obviously get the the belief of the the gaffer. You know, yeah. like you know, you just you're you're one of the younger guys. You just come in and work hard every day. I, I was in the 18 the first couple of times and I wasn't and you just keep working and then I just got started getting minutes at the end of the games and being impactful and then they started trusting me and then there was the last game of the season I think I scored and then every playoff game I scored and, until mm-hmm. the finals and then and I won I won the PK to send us the PKs and wow. and after that then he started trusting me but it was a big jump at first like speed of play obviously yeah. In college, it's just everyone just running around. <laughs> yeah. And professionally, it's like all of those guys were good college players. So, you know, how do you make your mark and how do you become... It's all about consistency. So. so then your second year and pretty much throughout the rest of your time in Orlando, you were the main striker. You were leading scorer your second year, right? Yeah. And you won the championship, I think, three out of four, three out of four years or two out of I, four? I won three supporter shields uh-huh. and two, uh, I guess, USL championships. So how did was that experience for you? Were you kind of you know thinking of MLS at that point, or where's your mindset with all the success? After, yeah, after the second year, um, actually, I was um, we had some I guess some offers from some MLS teams, but um, I went to I went to a couple of training sessions, you know, with some teams because I, I guess DC United had my discovery rights, mm-hmm. and uh, but. At the time, like everyone was saying, oh, Orlando is transitioning. Orlando is transitioning. But then I went through a period of time that I, I didn't want to be the hometown guy anymore. I wanted mm-hmm. to go off and like I wanted to go to Europe very badly, and um, you know sometimes that's just in your head and you didn't you you weren't you're not grateful enough for where you are. And, right. You know sometimes it's rough. And I think I read that you got a couple of MLS opportunities with like Chicago Fire and DC United, right? Yeah, what kind yeah, of happened yeah. with that. Uh, they tried to get me on loan oh, okay. to the end of the season, but uh, like I said, it was just tough. I, it didn't work out. Didn't work out a couple of times. So I just went in, and uh, I guess that was when Frank Klopas was there and Dominic Cordero was a striker, so they mm-hmm. wanted me to play, I guess, with him. But you know how football is. Yeah. everything happens for a reason. Yeah. So then, what was kind of the USL like back then? I remember when I played my rookie year, there's only like 18 teams, but you were coming from 2011. So what was it like? Oh, yeah, it was, it was totally different back then. Back, they, at one point, there was a conference structure mm-hmm. and then like a divisional structure. And then then it became just one and then it became two again. So I, it just, it's a, it was, there was no two teams. So I would say that there was like grown men playing all the time. There was no like kids right. or anything like that. So in that aspect, it was very competitive. But also, you didn't have the the quality of players have definitely increased over the years as gotcha. the years have gone, and the the league has become more and more professional. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. back in those days, like if you had a bigger budget team, you could just literally run through mm-hmm. the league. And obviously with Orlando. So, uh, but nowadays, even you, smaller teams, if you have a good system, you can compete, you know what right. I mean? So it's, it's changed a lot. 
So I remember Orlando's last year, like I said earlier, you guys beat us in the regular season, lifting up the trophy and stuff. I was on that field. What was kind of going through the players' mindset? You guys had an idea you guys were going MLS next, the following season. So what were players thinking, you know, Molino and all the, you as well and all you guys? You guys have MLS contracts set or how that transition 2014 work? is the most awkward and most craziest season I've ever had in my professional career. Because mm-hmm. when you have that balance of like, you're moving up like you know like is that it's like having promotion already before a season yeah. started yeah so like people are not you you have to like the gaffers come constantly reminding people that there's a season right now you know what i mean so so many guys are like oh i need a contract for next season or i need mm-hmm. to jump with the team and so much so it became a very awkward locker room experience mm-hmm. compared to years past when where everyone was kind of together, so you kind of had a split there. So it was very, very difficult, you know what I mean? We Obviously, we, had, we were so talented, so we won like, yeah. anyways, but but uh, it was just almost like an MLS team playing in the US. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very difficult. I, I think it was the most challenging for the, the coach as well. And obviously, we went to the playoff, and we had this, we had this such a very arrogant attitude and we came in. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Is that kind of leading to the playoffs? You guys lost in the first round. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was very, I was very, it was, it's, 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 it's a funny, it's funny part about it is, uh, this is how confident we were. Our coach came in and we played four, like, 19-year-olds wow. in the team wow. in the first round of playoffs. Wow. So yeah. then you go to Arizona United the following year, now called Phoenix Rising with Drogba, and then the following year you're with Ottawa as well. Talk about, you know, you're with Orlando for four years. You had a home now, but now here you are in the next two years juggling with different teams. Talk about that mentally, how that affected you, and what was that like transitioning, trying to find a home again? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, after leaving Orlando, it was like I tried, I tried to go to Europe at first. Like I went to Denmark okay. a bit, and uh, it didn't work out. Like monetarily, it wasn't going to make sense. So I tried to come back and, like, got you know, get your branding back up mm-hmm. and you get some, some games. And, uh... And it, I had totally different roles in those teams compared to in Orlando where I was the high forward. And, mm-hmm. I, and in Arizona, I was like an, uh, more in a four-two-three-one, either the, the 10 or the 2 gotcha. outside spot. So I yeah. never played striker again till, yeah. till now. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I, like, wow. Until Israel, yeah. I guess. Until Israel. In, in Ottawa, I played a deeper role as well, like outside or, you know what I mean? So it's just mm-hmm. different coaches have different expectations mm-hmm. and they lose you for different things. And you just have to adapt. Yeah. So it's very... It's very different, and those weren't winning teams. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so obviously, it's, it's so different in your locker room when it's not winning, and and uh, you just obviously my personality. I just try to keep everyone and uh, going. So it was great off the field, but <laughs> on the field, not so much. What was the NASL like? Kind of, for, your auto was in the NASL yeah, at the time, yeah, right? Yeah. What was the NASL compared to the USL? See, I went also like at the end of one of my Orlando season. I went on loan to San Antonio in the NASL uh-huh. as well. So I played in the NSL. It was is a it's a grown man's league. Mm-hmm. You know, guys are getting paid very well to to perform, and they were trying to make a little comparison to the compete with MLS to become a division one so mm-hmm. everything was very professional so uh, it was it was good slower than how USL was USL there's a lot of young guys just running around mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. and NSL guys were just trying to play so mm-hmm. it's totally different tactical football but you only had nine teams yeah so you yeah. play the same team so okay, many times yeah. it's just yeah. it wasn't very it wasn't good in that regard so yeah. that makes sense so the main question is, what kind of made you take this leap of faith to Israel? How did that all happen? Uh, so I was in, I was actually in Ottawa at the time, and uh, and my agent 
he's Israeli. And uh, yeah, so, but he's based in, he has a lot of MLS players, he's based in uh, the US. And he brought in an Israeli player to Ottawa, a striker. So we played well together, and I guess there's teams in Israel, obviously, was keeping track of him. Mm-hmm. So they saw me. So that's how I got seen by, by them. Mm-hmm. And they, I guess, made an offer to my club at Ottawa at the time, mm-hmm. and it was mid-season. And I was just, I had to thank Paul for letting me go, because a lot of coaches probably wouldn't. Yeah, in the middle of the season, yeah. In the middle of the season, because obviously their season starts in August as a European. Mm-hmm. Even though it's yeah. in the Middle East, they, they're a UEFA. Okay. And, uh, and then I ended up going, and it was a great a great experience. Yeah? yeah I really enjoyed was it. Was there a language barrier? <clears throat> like my coach didn't speak English yeah. <laughs> at all, like zero English. Yeah. But uh, but he was a very, like, he was supposed to be, like, uh, I guess an up-and-coming genius in the game in Israel. So he's very well-respected. He was only, like, 33, but he was very meticulous mm-hmm. like and I had always had someone translating it so every almost everyone spoke English gotcha. except for him gotcha. <laughs> so it was it was really good it was really fun and like uh, I, but it's a lot of pressure promotion mm-hmm. relegation and it, if you brought in bringing it came, came in as a foreign player they really expect yep. you to be different yeah. you can't be performing as an Israeli player yeah. when you're a foreign player because they can just get an Israeli yeah. player and they invest so much yeah. into you coming. So you were in the top division over there. I was in the second division okay. at the time, okay. but uh, but we were in like promotional areas for a time, and then we made some bad moves. And I was actually supposed to be sold to a, one of the the a bigger club, and it didn't go through, and and. Then it became a disaster at the end, and we were fighting for rele- from relegation, wow. and then wow. it went from like ecstasy to like everyone's gonna kill each other, and owners <laughs> fighting people in the field, <laughs> and then you survive relegation, and everyone loves each other again. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. So it's just craziest emotions ever. So yeah. Does religion play a role out there? Uh, very much so, but yeah. it's not as bad as people think. Like okay. people think it's just like war and a yeah, yeah. thing. But I mean, we had Arabic players and. Uh, on our team with Israelis and everyone was good you know so it's just when you're in the Jerusalem area is when you feel tension mm-hmm. because obviously there's a lot of history there and like I, we don't go into the West Bank area there's mm-hmm. nothing there so so you don't really feel it unless you go to those players but areas and everything else is no yeah there's obviously they're saying there's a rabbi came one time to say, hey, if we give him 50 shekels, he'll pray for our team and we, we, we won't get relegated. <laughs> hey, look what happened. Hey, hey, hey. Some guys gave him money, so I what guess that's the reason. What would you guys do leisurely out there? Um, there? We were near the beach, actually. Okay. So, like, it's out of the Mediterranean, so there's a lot of, like, lounging. People just lounge. Mm-hmm. A lot of smoking. Not from the players, but everyone smokes there, so that was kind of an annoyance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but other than that, everyone really chills and just like uh, a lot of hummus. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. So you're obviously here in Pitt now, but did you not try to go to the MLS? Like, were you looking at any other options before Pittsburgh? How did you kind of land here? Oh, uh, it's like, I, there's, there, there were some, there is some, uh, some looks and some talks and some teams, but, but I, like at my age, especially, it's just so many risks. You know what I mean? So you're going to go into a camp 
whatever less because no one's just going to give it to you right then if you're not like you know yeah. constantly in league you know what I mean it's yeah. just it just doesn't happen especially the MLS is improved year by year just like anything yeah. else and especially in our positions for, like if you're a midfielder or a striker you're looking for top players yeah. so they don't, they don't want you in camp but going into camp you have very sh- short opportunities where you have a contracts on the table it, it's it's tough yeah, to make that to, to make that uh that choice so you know what i mean obviously mm-hmm. i was trained back in orlando when i came back from israel mm-hmm. so there there was there were some things there too but you know what i mean i just went for like to go to a place where i believe i could win and yeah. make an impact and it was just that and once you're playing in football is yeah that's a very important so now look there we are. <laughs> so Ben, on to you. What's it like, kind of playing for a club where your family's been at? Like you said, your family here and stuff. What's it like playing now here for the Riverhounds? Yeah, it's cool. Um, I mean, when I was, whatever, like I said, the last eight years they were probably only make, able to make a few games a year, and now whatever, mm-hmm. every home game they're able oh they're often nice, nice. Check out the games and uh, whatever off weekends <clears throat> get to hang out with them and get to see my little brother, my little sister, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, get to go see some of his games while well, he's in high school now. Uh, nice, he's a nice. little lefty, he's a player, so it's cool to be able to watch him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So your father played here in Pitt, right, and USC as well? He did, yeah. He went to, I believe he went to Upper, Upper Secondary High School. Mm. Uh, then he went to, I don't want to get this backwards, I think he went to North Carolina first. Uh, like, walked onto the team there. I don't think he played that much and then transferred to Pitt where he played most of his college soccer. Gotcha. That kind of influenced you growing up? Of course, yeah. yeah. Of course. Like growing up with him, it was always in the backyard, yeah. juggling, playing, like yeah. all the time, going to the park, soccer, tennis, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a huge influence on my life, yeah, for sure. What was it like playing in the playing club in the Ohio area? You said you played for multiple clubs. I did. Um, there's a lot of clubs there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talent there, to be honest. A lot of guys... Um, around my age, I mean, even even guys before that uh, were coming out of Northeast Ohio. Uh, this is a, um, it's just a good level there. I mean, yeah. you got guys like Justin Morrow who's mm-hmm. had a great career and been with the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got a bunch of guys that we grew up playing club with that some guys made it and some guys were close to making it and, and didn't make it or some guys played in lesser leagues, but, I mean, guys could play and it, it obviously helped all of our development mm-hmm. uh, having that competition on a daily basis. So you went to, let me see if I pronounce this right, Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy? Here Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga. <laughs> so that's a college preparatory school, right? Yeah, it's a, so it was a Division three school. It was a small school, um, and we probably had 100 people in our class, maybe. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you I went, knew everyone. I went to a private high school as well, not a college preparatory school. We played against those schools, but mm-hmm. I went to a private high school. Same thing, 200 kids in my graduating class as well, but... For you, what was it like playing for an all-prep school? Was that all-boys school as well? Or? It wasn't. I okay. actually met my wife there. Oh, nice. So, nice. Yeah. High school sweethearts. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but, no, it was good. I, I just had and just another school where I had great influences and great mentors that, that helped mold me into who I've become today, and, mm-hmm. and I'm crazy fortunate for that. Um, my coach there, I mean, I still keep in touch with him. He's now uh, the president of the school. Wow. Um, He's an he's an unreal man, and it it was just a cool experience, and and really taught whatever we had a good team taught me how to play, mm-hmm. um, which is I don't know if a lot of high schools like Cheney can say like some high schools like you don't get that experience, yeah. and uh, I was fortunate enough to have that experience of high school, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, it was a good time. 
So then your junior, senior year, you're captain leading your school to state championships. Your junior year, you're All-American and your senior year as well. Player of the year, et cetera, 41 goals, 20 assists. Clearly a very successful high school career. How did Akron kind of come about? Was that through high school or through club? I think it was a little of both. Um, played, in a, played attacking mid in high school. It's funny. It's, I mean, some other guys can probably attest to this, but... Uh, Sometimes you slowly move back in the field <laughs> as your career goes on. Same thing uh, for me. So, <laughs> so playing attacking mid was a creative player on the team, and uh, yeah, Akron, Akron wanted me. Uh, they recruited me, uh, and I originally committed there uh, under Ken Lola. And then the spring, when I was going to go there in the fall, he decided to take the job at Louisville, mm. and so then I reopened everything. Thought about okay, am I going to go to Louisville with him? stay with Akron where Caleb was coming in um, or Butler came into the equation. So I wasn't, there wasn't, whatever, a lot of schools mm -hmm. in my equation. Um, but I decided, uh, I like the program, I like the guys at Akron and uh, just decided to stick with it. And nice. I'm happy to have chosen that. Yeah, yeah, now look. So yeah, like you said, you have an immediate impact your freshman year, 18 appearances, starting eight of, the, eight of those matches. How are you able to kind of fit in right away, coming from being a senior in high school and now to a freshman getting a lot of playing time? How was that experience for you? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was tough. Uh, we had a deep squad all four years I was there, uh, <coughs> and I think that's what made us all better too. I mean, there was that competition daily in training, uh, and had a great locker room there as well. And I mean, it was just guys always pushing each other. And mm -hmm. so, once I was able to crack the squad there, uh, it was just trying to play within my role and try to help the team win and, and fortunate enough we were able to sustain some success there. How was Caleb Porter as a coach kind of? And for those people who don't know, Caleb Porter is a big name soccer coach in the country, won multiple national championships with Akron, has an MLS title as well. So how did he kind of influence your career out there in Akron? Uh, yeah, he personally influenced my career probably by teaching me to play a role. Uh, which every team needs. Every team needs. Yeah. Uh, he he had very specific, detail-oriented uh, roles, mm -hmm. and he expected guys to play within their role and not mm -hmm. necessarily do anything more than that because mm -hmm. we don't need you to do more than that. It was we need the team to to have success, and for the team to have success, everyone has to do their job. Yeah. Um, and so he mapped out each job, and and I kind of played within that role, and it whatever turned me into the player I am today for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Just like. Uh, guy who understands the game, simple on the ball, try to win a lot of balls and get around the field, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah. So you have a tremendous college career as well as high school. Breakout year kind of was your junior year, you'd say. You were second team on MAC, career high ten assists, eight of them game winners. You guys won the MAC conference three or four years. Senior year, more of the same, one of ten finalists nationally for the low senior class awards, starting all 23 games. So with all this success in college, how are you able to remain humble and focus mentally as you're getting prepared for your professional career um i think that's just i mean i think i was forced to to be honest like it wasn't those accolades came because the team had success mm -hmm. um and like i kind of just said like the team had success because i knew my role the next guy knew his role and we all played within yeah. those things and there was no one way above the next guy it was just everyone doing their job and yeah. uh i was never whatever i had those accolades but there, i mean we had creative guys on the team we had unreal defenders that could some yep. play entry balls and I mean we hounded teams and yeah. uh, I mean the only reason I got the opportunity that I did whatever to get drafted and to 
play after college was because the team was good and yeah. because we had success. Yeah. And uh, and that was very important. Yeah, it's very important kind of the all-team success when you have guys who are trying to play out their role and do things they're not really naturally supposed to do. It messes up the flow and the chemistry. So I, I agree with exactly what you were saying. Who are some of the best players you played with at Akron? And I'm sure there's a bunch of guys yeah. on the U.S. national team and stuff. There's enough. I mean, Darlington's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what you was can... he like? I don't think I still don't know if I've ever seen him lose a ball in in every single day of training I've probably played with him what five years in Portland and three years at Akron that's eight years in every single training I don't know if he lost the ball ever wow Um, Wow, that's awesome yeah he's unreal and Pipey Anthony Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. creative number 10 Blair Gavin Um, I played side by side with him I mean there was there was guys and there was guys even like I said there was guys that that didn't necessarily have a career after, but they easily could have. Mm-hmm. So it was just, we had a great time there. And then you lost in the national championship your senior year, right? That had a how was that experience first of all going to the national championship and being able to fight for a national title? Like some of us, I've never even I only out of my four years, I only missed the NCAA tournament once. So it's completely different for me. Yeah, I mean it was devastating. The year prior, we we had a very good team that year. Um, ended up going to Northwestern in this crazy windy conditions and losing uh, that game and it left a really bitter taste in all of our mouth mm-hmm. and we we strove strived to uh, we wanted to get back there we wanted to make a run in the tournament we wanted to win it all and yeah. I mean that year we didn't lose a game didn't tie a game all year long all through the tournament and then to lose in PKs was pretty pretty <laughs> brutal championship right yeah um <laughs> It was brutal, but I mean, PK is what are you gonna do? Right. So, did you know you were kind of getting drafted out of school, or did you have an agent? How did that no, process I didn't. work? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was on my couch, uh, just watching the draft. I oh, I talked wow. to Caleb a little bit before the draft. Like, I didn't go to the combine or anything. wasn't invited there. Um, talked to Caleb a little bit before the draft, and he mentioned that a couple teams uh, called him or were maybe interested. Um, and so I was just, like I said, sitting at home with my family, just paying attention to the draft. And all of a sudden a call came in and, uh, it was Chivas USA and That's crazy. basically said, yeah, we want to draft you and bring you in a preseason and just came another opportunity. That's guess, awesome. Yeah. Do you think it's important to have an agent? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I think there's good agents and bad agents all course, over the place and, and to have a good agent that, um, that can speak for you and, and speak what, uh, like kind of parallel your thoughts and your beliefs are, is huge. Mm-hmm. And that you don't want them to obviously step outside of that or, mm-hmm. or not relay what, what exactly you want. So that's kind of their job. And, and yeah, to have good representation is, is massive. Mm-hmm. So then, like you said, you got drafted by the Chivas third round, 40, 47th overall. And your rookie year, right, up, right off the bat, had 17 stars, 22 appearances. How was that? professional experience now for you coming from the college game uh yeah i mean i think i think akron prepared me really well for it uh, i mean we had a pretty professional environment every day in training there um and so i was prepared for it uh but i mean it was it's a whole different animal like you go from a college locker room to where everyone's <laughs> where everyone's more or less boys yeah. and you're just hanging and then you go into a professional locker room where yeah, you're on the same team and, and you have the same goals in mind that you yeah, you want to win, but also you're competing for jobs. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when there's paychecks on the line, mm-hmm. it, it does bring a different animal to it. Oh, yeah. Families, mm-hmm. too, et cetera. Of course. Yeah, completely different. So your first three seasons, tremendous as well. 72, 72 games played, 58 starts. 
How is that? Would you say that was very detrimental to your career now? Those first three years playing right off the bat a lot for Chivas? No, I think it helped big time. I think, I mean, obviously I wish that we had a little bit more success there because I think we did have a couple good teams there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a good couple staffs there too. Like Robin Frazier was our head coach. Uh, he had Greg Vanny underneath him. And I think that staff was, was very good. And I liked uh, their ideas and their thoughts. And uh, I liked them as as coaches a lot um unfortunately they didn't i don't know if they got the resources they needed i don't know but uh it just didn't work out but i'm happy to see them have success in toronto and yeah. the success they're having but i think like to answer your question i think that i mean i was greatly fortunate to have such a big role mm-hmm. and be able to get that experience on the field in games against mm-hmm. top level players yeah. uh, i think it just made me better nothing replicates game play situation yeah. not, not even training and practice so did Chivas folding kind of play a role in you leaving, or how did you end up in Portland? So I was out, uh, Caleb took the job in Portland, uh, and I was uh, in Chivas in preseason, and that was the year when uh, the lawsuit started. Mm. Uh, ownership group wanted to make it a uh, more or less all-Mexican team, and wow. it was it made the locker room I don't know. There was like just a lot of rumblings, and it, yeah. it was a very weird locker room at that point in preseason. No one knew exactly the direction of the team. No one knew what they wanted, uh, and I think that obviously led to the demise of the club. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a fun last preseason with with Chilis there. He was he was he was fun to play with. He's in Vegas director. He's in Vegas, yes. So then you go to Portland, <laughs> as you were saying earlier, play there for the next five seasons, making sixty one appearances with thirty one starts, but. You tore your ACL in 2015, so how, did that, how do injuries affect players mentally? It's a big part of our profession as well. It is. I mean, you just got to – it's just a different challenge, I guess. Um, it happens in our sport. It happens in every sport, and, and when it happens, you got to put your head down and get back to work and, and try to come back stronger. I mean, it's easy and cliche to say that, but that was one thing that, like, even throughout my rehab process, you're – you're working on things you don't get to work on on a daily basis with like your training schedules. Mm-hmm. So it did, I mean, I think it, it made me stronger in some ways for sure. Um, and just approached it with, I think the right mentality and was able to get back in five and a half, six months, something like that with wow. my step back, which wow. was nice. Yeah. Does it still bother you now a little bit? Uh, yeah. So I was over it and then whatever, late last season I had a, a little tweak. I don't know if it was ACL or, or meniscus or what, but, uh, that, that definitely still bothers me to this day mm-hmm. uh, just working through it but yeah. I realize I'm 30 now <laughs> yeah knees can knees can be sore uh, but we worked through it and did you win the MLS Cup while you were hurt that year? yeah that year I mm-hmm. uh, won it all so it was kind of mm-hmm. uh, it was a weird it was a weird feeling just obviously super proud of the team and super uh, excited for everyone but to be on the outside almost looking in was, yeah. was not was yeah. almost a weird feeling for me for of sure of course yeah of course. What's the treatment like in the MLS? Now you're in the USL, so you can kind of both the MLS and the USL. What's kind of the differences, immediate differences in, within the MLS in comparison to the USL? Uh, treatment as far as injuries? and No, as far as treatment. like the professionalism, like how they treat their players, per se. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the USL has obviously made huge strides um, in the last few years. And you see the standard and the bar being set higher and higher uh, by the top clubs in USL. Mm-hmm. And it's on everyone else to to chase them and to keep up with that standard because the standard is set. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's getting raised every year. And uh, 
and that standard, I think, from the top clubs are, I mean, that it's close to the MLS teams. Um, it's professional environment. Um, everything is done to try to maximize the performance of the players on the field mm -hmm. and all the decisions made on a daily basis. So there'd be practice, nutrition, uh, whatever in the weight room with mm -hmm. like corrective exercises and all that, um, preventative injury exercises, everything. I think it's, it's done with, uh, with that in mind, maximizing performance and, and getting results. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think in this country, I mean, it's, it's made strides and, uh, it's going to continue to make strides. Who are some of the best players that you remember you playing against in the MLS? Best players? I mean, Keane was unreal, his movement, um, his vision. Uh, him and, when him and Donovan worked together, they were they were tough oh, to play I against. About that. Uh, I mean, Henri was obviously a handful. He was unreal. Um, those two stand out. It was fun playing with, like, Chivas was fun playing with Sasha Kleshin. Just, I mean... He his touch his first touch is unreal. Mm -hmm. Just always into space or always just opening up angles for other people, which is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, it was fun to play with. Taught me a lot. Uh, yeah, those names come to mind. So after you finished up in Portland, were you trying to go back to the MLS or were you kind of set here in Pittsburgh? Um. Yeah. What? So when I decided to come here, it was. Yeah, I was. I felt like I was pretty set here. I'd say I was making that move to to come play here and uh, and hopefully raise a trophy here and, and also thinking about next step and, and where we want to settle down and uh and yeah it, was, it seemed like the right move and this season seems to be paying yep. off pretty well yep. now look glad yeah. you're here so last but not least the man the myth the legend what's cool about this for me is like i said earlier i've been playing against kevin for four years now and i've heard stories about you from other players in richmond and i honestly never thought i'd get this day to actually talk about your own story here in the situation so it's awesome to have you here, Kev. <clears throat> but, you know, you're facing this injury. You've had a crazy week this past week. Kind of walk us through this injury, what's been going on, and what you've kind of been dealing with mentally. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's part of it. Uh, I got a weekend off, obviously, in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. Obviously, sat and watched you boys get the win and uh, come, in, come in on Tuesday feeling great, you know, rested up, ready to go, and... Tweak, obviously, tore a calf muscle, mm. so mm. it is what it is, and you know, just got to work hard and try and stay on top of it, and you know, hope to get back, play, play some part yeah. in this year. Yeah, the doctor said it wasn't that serious, right? Yeah, it's just it's a similar similar one to Big Joe. Okay. You know, but hopefully, they were very cautious with him. He yeah. he was at the start of the year, and he's a big boy. He's a big boy. <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, I think we're gonna go for it and you know put the work in and you know if everything goes to plan, you know get back in at some point before the end. You know you yeah. boys, you boys getting it done and making a little playoff run would, <laughs> it would give me a bit more time. Of course, so of course, gotcha. So that'd be much appreciated. So you grew up in Scotland playing amateur soccer for VFL. How do you say it? Season. As in Germany. Oh, yeah, Germany. I moved to Germany when I was ten. Okay. So I had. Pretty much all of my like formative soccer years were in were in Germany. Okay. Um, in a town called. How did you even get started with that? Um, so my mom was in the army, mm -hmm. so I bounced every three years. I kind of bounced around mm -hmm. doing that, the army life, and we went to Germany and. Yeah, I, I I played locally till I was about, I think I was, fifteen, 
maybe. And this is for Thiessen? I played locally for a team called Thiessen, yeah, mm-hmm. and there was always the opportunity to go and join the big, the bigger, at the time, their Bundesliga team, but mm-hmm. uh, I never wanted to rush it, you know, I was happy I played in a great team, um, and then at 15 I felt it was time to go and take it more seriously and, you know, really invest a lot of time and energy into it. Um, and was that when you transitioned to... Who did you transition to? Armenia. Beat Armenia, yeah, okay. Yeah. And played there for the next eight years, right? Yeah, I played, yeah. That was in, that's German second division? Uh, yeah, a bit of a yo-yo club. At okay. the time, they bounced between the first and second okay. pretty much annually. What was that experience for you as a I teenager? loved it. So when I moved there, I was 10. I was a season... You know what I mean? I was football yeah. mad. I got there. I was a season ticket holder. I used to be first in the doors you know two hours mm. before the game sit in stands and then you know you grow up quick and before you know it I, I remember the first time I ever put on a jersey I, I used to buy the jerseys at the start of the year and then you turn <laughs> yeah. 15 you get your own jersey it was a it's obviously a great feeling and uh yeah I loved it loved it stayed there till I was I think I signed a Bundesliga deal at 19 mm. you know after mm. After a year in the reserves, and uh, that year that I signed in the January halfway through, I never got on the field, but I, you know, I was training with the boys and I made a few squads. I think my first squad was Hamburg away. Uh, you know, it was, it was great, and then we 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 got relegated that got relegated in that year into the second year, and that's when I kind of started to get a bit more game time and kind of broke into the team, you know, and. Yeah, it's I love, it's, it's crazy. I, it's a bit like Chini, it was my hometown club. You know, I grew up, went from season ticket holder to being on the field and had a lot of family and friends in the stands mm-hmm. every week. And, mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, I felt like I'd cracked it. And then, uh, yeah, we had a... They went through from fi- some financial issues, ended up... I think in my first year we almost got promoted, in my second year we got relegated. Wow. And then... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of turnover at the club, and yeah, probably the the toughest decision I ever had to make in my in my career was to leave. You know, um, still undecided on whether it was the right one, but uh, hmm. maybe some. You gotta you make your decision, and you yeah. gotta Rose. you gotta stick with it. Yeah. You know, and keep working hard, and yeah, it's it's, uh, it's still a time I look back on fondly it's still you know a club mm. I wish all the best you know mm. I follow them closely how's the European system kind of structured in comparison to the American what's the difference is it like what are the are they training players straight to the first team we're here for season? yeah I mean I remember I think I jo- first time I went up the first time I was 16 you know like there's back home it's a, li- it's a little bit more if you're if you're good enough you're old enough mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I feel like uh it was really beneficial to me just to get my eyes open to it. Me and a few other boys, you, you get, you know, you, you realise what it takes at a young age. And, right. You know, it's it's a whole different world. We, I mean, I think I signed, I signed a four-year deal at 16. Wow. I think, you know, I, it's a different Big world difference. back there. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the time, the, you from the U16 onwards, you're in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have your U16, U17, U19 Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. You know, I was playing against great players week in, week out. Um, so, yeah, then you move into the reserves at about 19 and then it's kind of make or break. You know, you get two years in the reserves mm-hmm. and you either make that jump or 
mm. or you move on and gotcha. you know I was fortunate enough I played in a great reserve team where there's mm. three or four of us that made the jump and were you living on your own at this time yeah so my parents left Germany when I was about 19 mm. and I stayed wow. you know so how was that mentally for you I mean my rookie year I lived on my own I was 21 years old though and that was a big role for Toll on me mentally coming from college with all my boys living in a house there's like eight of us yeah it's a big change I was fortunate like I said I'd lived because I'd lived there for 10 years you know my parents were my only support network I already had a a lot of friends and Mm -hmm. I'd been in the academy for five or six years and had some you know we'd kind of we were in it together I remember looking back then we were all in it we were all in the same goal and Mm -hmm. you know it was it it, it was easy it was after that when I, I went on to move to I think my next move was to Holland, um, mm-hmm. and that was that was hard. That was different, you know. That was where a couple of long days, you know, you feel like you're a million miles away from home, and but it's all part of it. Um, I kind of after I left Bielefeld, I kind of bounced around, just looking for a new home, you know. And I actually toyed with the idea of packing in soccer at about 22. Oh, wow. You know, kind of my career had just been kind of on a downward downward spiral you know I started yeah. so yeah I thought I'd cracked it at yeah. 19 Bundesliga yeah. and then it kind of started to slide and I wondered whether it was for me so mm-hmm. the opportunity came out to have, to come out to Pittsburgh and you know the rest is history I've instantly fell in love with the city you know club same thing mm-hmm. um, started to enjoy playing soccer again day in day out mm-hmm. and you know, changed my mind overnight, and now, who knows how long I can keep it going. All right. So what's interesting is you also played for the U21 Scottish national team, right? But you chose the Scottish national team over the German national team back then. Yeah, right? I remember when I was young, I think I was about 16, I got called up, called up for Germany. And it was a strange one. I mean, my Germany, German wasn't even that good at the yeah. time, you know. It just didn't feel right. Um, as a... Like I say, it was it was a fantastic opportunity, and I, it was like the recognition was great. But yeah. deep down, there was only one, there was only one country that I ever really wanted to play for, and that call up actually helped me yeah. in terms of you know I went on to play for for the for the, for the Scotland uh, youth team, um, pretty much on the back of the Germany call up. So ah, nice. You know, playing nice. in Germany, knowing Scotland knew who I yeah. was, and, and, and then... that. I was able to use that to my advantage to yeah. get a couple caps, to get a couple caps over there. But yeah, that was always the goal. That was awesome. Yeah. So like you said, you kind of transitioned from German soccer to now you're in Holland now playing. What was the style of soccer like between those two countries? Yeah, do you know what? Holland's one of the most extreme, like total. It's like uh, everything you hear is true. Like this whole yeah. total football. I yeah. remember joined a team. They were like rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You know. I had no hope of staying in the league. I was one of maybe 10 new signings to come in halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. We turned it around. We managed to vo- avoid relegation. And I remember we would win the odd game. And, you know, we didn't play great football. We we, we were there to get get a job done. Um, and I remember we'd win, win the odd game and you'd pick up the papers the next day and did crucifiers. Yeah. <laughs> the records of the start of play. And yeah. That's when I realised that, wow, it's, it's different here. Yeah. You know, in Germany, it's very... It's business, mm-hmm. you know, and I went to Holland and they're, they're, they're very proud about the way they do things and the way they win rather than just the result. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It didn't resonate with me, to be honest with you. So it was a short stay for me. I, I went there to try and get my career back on track. Um, you know, you're always hoping to make the jump, maybe into into the first league at the mm-hmm. time, and it came pretty close. But yeah, that whole that whole philosophy, it it, it wasn't for me. So you said the club filed for bankruptcy. My 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 club in Germany filed for bankruptcy. I went to Holland, and then that club bankruptcy, immediately filed yeah. for bankruptcy. Yeah. And then you went back to Germany. And then I went back to Germany. Yeah, so I went back to Bielefeld. Mm-hmm. Um, felt like home, and I played for a, a team maybe forty minutes away, so I could, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to get back to, to what felt like home at the time, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, play my football there. How long were you there? After you transitioned back from Holland back to Germany? Six months. Six months. Yeah, that was where I went back there and they always say never go back. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. was it, for me it was true. I went back there and uh just wasn't the same. That was when I had those those the ideas of I mean I was I was all set to go to school. Yeah. I was going back to England, I was gonna to go to school, you know, I obviously skipped college to to go pro at an early age and I mm. thought, right, it's not quite worked out. And uh yeah, so I Friend of mine who I played in Germany with an American, Matty Dorman, mm-hmm. club legend here. <laughs> uh, he was playing in Pittsburgh, and it kind of he he set it up for me, and I went into the owners and said. So based off a of friend, you took that leap of faith. Over yeah, here. just uh, over. Football's a crazy, crazy game, you know. Yeah. But I wasn't happy, and uh, I'm still. Forever grateful to my club in Vredenburg, same way Chinner is to, to Ottawa. They let me go, you know. Yeah. They they. Uh, yeah. I was a big part of their plans at the time, mm-hmm. you know. I was, I think, as as captain of that team, and but uh, football's only two hours a day, you know. And the rest mm-hmm. of my life, I wasn't happy. I needed a change, and mm-hmm. I'll be forever forever grateful that they let me go. Yeah, they say the best things in life are on the other side of fear, and now look, you have your family. Yeah. And this is now your sixth season here in Pitt. You rank four, fourth all-time in games played, number one in minutes, seventh, seventh in goals, five in assists, three in points, third in shots as well. You're a second team in 2015, all USL. Did you ever imagine yourself being this, I wouldn't even say hero, but this big public figure out here in Pittsburgh? No, not at all. Like I said, I kind of just wanted to change. Yeah, and then yeah. Come about quick. After, as soon as I got off a... Uh, as soon as I started in Pittsburgh, you know, I really took to it. Like I said, after leaving Bielefeld, I'd been looking for a new home. And I thought, I th- you know, I found it. I met my met my wife after after one year. And, mm. you know, we got a home together and mm. have a big, big circle of friends and family here. And, mm. you know, this is, this is the new home. Yeah, you've been through it all here in Pitt since 2013. How has this organization kind of changed through, through your eyes? Yeah, it's been a wild ride. I mean, I came for the opening of the stadium mm-hmm. and there was huge euphoria around the place and mm-hmm. the, the stands were packed all the time, you know, and we had a good team, we made the playoffs. We fell to Chinese Orlando. <laughs> Badly. <laughs> we, we, I think in the season we, we, we took four points them off the season and we thought we had it cracked and then it was in Orlando. we went to Orlando for the playoffs and I think we were 3-0 down in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's some players. And then it's strange and then it's on the up and then Tuffy come in that year. Yeah. And... Uh, 
part of that takeover, we had to go through another, obviously it was well documented, chapter 19 where it was some bankruptcy and we had yeah. some issues and I remember we'd come in for pre-season and we're just about to go to our first game in Orlando, funnily enough, and as players everyone was sat down and told, like, this is what's happening, this is... It was a strange time, you know, boys yeah. are sat there, you you can't, you've just done pre-season, you can't wait to get it going. Yeah. And you, boys sat there worrying about paychecks, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. fortunately the club took care of us and the club were fantastic for it all, but at the time it was, it was nervy times and... Yeah. Yeah, real shame. We had a fantastic squad that year, you know, mm. we had Brian Ombi, who yeah. you later played yeah. with, we had Dorman, we had Rob Vincent, yeah. we had Jose Angulo, Collins John, wow. like, wow. yeah, the Obadiah, the, the, it was a long list of very, very good players, yeah. you know, maybe talent-wise the strongest squad we've had in my, in my time here, and we got off to a slow start, coach was fired, and... Mm. Yeah, it was a it was a tough year, and I I don't know if the club ever fully recovered from that. Mm. You know, we yeah. until now we had a we had a strong two thousand fifteen under Mark Stephens. Yeah, uh, you know, with Robbie Vincent and and a few others, and yeah, last two years were tough. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always it's 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 what makes this year you know all the sweeter. Mm -hmm. all that bit sweeter going through what we went through in the last two years and it's brilliant you see the you look at after the game you see the fans you see the steel army and you see yeah. the same people were there the last two years on the dark days yeah you yeah. know when we were right scrapping for everything right and uh, it's great to see them now enjoying wins and celebrating and yeah you know having a good time um, so they deserve it more than anyone mm -hmm. you know those people that that Obviously, you always want to bring in new fans, and you want to, you want this thing to go as, as big as it can. But it's always great to see those people that were there mm -hmm. through those those rough years. How come you never left Pitt? You said obviously you met your wife and you have a family now. Does that kind of play a role in you? I just here? feel like I'd made that mistake once before. Yeah. You know, I I felt like I had a great thing going in Bielefeld and made that decision to leave, and the grass isn't always greener, mm -hmm. you know. And then I think. <laughs> But you have to make these decisions to know that. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people yeah. were telling me that at the time, but I was a young 21-year-old that knew it all, and sky was the limit, you know. So when I got to Pittsburgh and I, you know, found a place that I love, you know, I love tying up to work every day. Mm -hmm. um, never crossed my mind. After the 2015 year, there was, a, there was some interest to go a few places, and my contract was up, and... But it, it just didn't feel right, you know. Yeah. My, my missus is here, we're yeah. happy. You know, like yeah. I said, the grass isn't always greener yeah. and I'm, I'm grateful I stayed. Do you feel there's a little bit of added pressure when you're playing for a family now? You've been playing, had a, how old your oldest son? He's two and a half, okay. yeah, another one on the way. Yeah, um, congrats. It's different, you know, yeah. it's perspective, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, since having kids, I think, I'm able to separate soccer from my private life more than ever, mm -hmm. you know, and, and going through the last two years where there was a lot of disappointment and a lot mm -hmm. of rough times, being able to go home to a, right. a like you know, my little man who's happy, he yeah, doesn't care about winning and mm -hmm. losing right now, and yeah, it, it, it changes things, mm -hmm. even to this day, you know, like, 
turn up, you give it everything you've got and you can just separate it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Perspective, I guess. Mm -hmm. You've also been coaching here for quite some time, right? How do you, do you feel like coaching the youth is very important, especially in, in America, we're trying to grow as a soccer nation? Yeah, I love it. You know, I love coaching. Um, Hound's got a fantastic academy. You know, I remember coming here, there was no teams, none of that. Those boys have done an unbelievable job and it's cool. I mean, I've, I've been at it six years now and when we go and play these college teams, so there's, we're playing, oh, we keep playing these boys that I used yeah. to coach when they were, when they were 13, 14 yeah. and, and it's cool. It's, the pathway to pro is great as well. Yeah. You know, we've, we've had those young boys coming up and coaching some of those boys for the last six mm -hmm. years and it's been great for them to come in and, and get in with the first team and see mm -hmm. what it's all about. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'd always, I'd always want to stay in football and I think the youth coaching is a great transition. Do you yeah. think that the American youth coaching system is going in the right direction? For sure. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Even the short time I've been here, okay, I think, yeah. I think it's it's here. I think it's got a it's got a good way to go. You know, soccer is such a young sport here, mm -hmm. but I think it's it's going in the right direction for sure. For youth kids that are listening right now, what do you think that they need to do to reach their full potential and develop? For me, I mean, the world is changing, but I remember I'm sure it's the same for you boys. Here, sometimes now I feel like kids only do play soccer when it's like an organized event yeah. you know yeah. and I remember I, yeah. I played for a team but I think I played 95% of my soccer with my mates yep. the park, yeah. Yeah. you know and yeah. you know, the world's changing and it's not as easy as it maybe used to be mm -hmm. um, but I think it's so important you know uh, you can get all the coaching in the world but unless you're going to go go and put the hours in and, yeah. and go have fun doing it and yeah it's gonna be. It's it's tough. That kind of transitions into my next topic for you guys. Do you guys think that U.S. soccer is on the right path right now to become, not necessarily a powerhouse in the world, but you know, a good nation that's you know developing and going on the right path? And as you were saying earlier, I feel like we're the only sport in this country that kids aren't playing leisurely on the streets and stuff. I mean, obviously you guys did, but the average kids either playing basketball or football or different baseball or something else on the field, but not soccer. And I feel like that's been hurting us a little bit in terms of the flair and the quality of players. You look at the rest of the world, all these best players are coming from the streets and not necessarily here it has to be an organized soccer event. So do you think that America's kind of gone on the right track? I mean, um, that's a good point. Uh, a lot of places in the world, that's the main sport. So you grow up playing it. So you don't have the other distractions of other sports and you don't have to play baseball and yeah. this and that. So in that regard, I think that's what sets America back a little bit. But in other regard, the, the quality of facilities, the quality, America knows that's the reason. So they're always working forward all the time. And I feel like it's, it's, there, it's always going forward, but sometimes it's going to be bumps in, bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. So this workout was a big bump. I, it, it could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, something. Because of a, such a disaster, as we call it, yeah. it, it, it showed a lot of chinks in the armor that was, that was already there. So yeah. now people are really focused on the youth and really focused on, hey, this pay to play and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. obviously you, you can't just make everything for free because then... Who's going to be funding all these things? So right. it's not easy fix, but I feel like at the end of it, 
if any country can figure it out. They have the resources. I also used to think, I, in America, I feel like a, your best athletes go elsewhere. Yeah. You know, like the money's yeah. still in yeah. American football and your baseball. Yeah. So if, if you can ever get your Antonio Browns or mm-hmm. your LeBron James in a pair of soccer shoes, mm-hmm. you know, from a young age, that's when you can when you can do big things, you know. But right now I still feel like the elite athletes they staring elsewhere. They go elsewhere, you know. And I also think that's what these kids are seeing every day on T V. Like you don't ever see besides of course the big clubs and stuff, but in terms of like the major league soccer games, like it's so hard to find if you have an ESPN Plus account, but what kid's really going to have an ESPN Plus account? Everyone's watching ESPN, but they never show soccer. So why would a kid just pick up a soccer ball when it's not on TV and these guys are making millions and millions of dollars? And I feel like that's also playing a role into our progress in this country growing as well. You need a, you need a, a very, like, a good national team sometimes. Like, the World Cup is huge. Every year when there's a big yeah. World Cup and the U.S. does well, it's, it drags in. Yeah. So, yeah, momentum for the for the kids. Like, and um, and so you have these young players coming up with so much talent now. It's very exciting because because they're going to show the next generation. The next generation is going to want to yeah. pick up a ball more. If you have Christian and all those guys over in Europe and they see them doing well and making money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to want them to play. Yeah. Do you guys feel that the pay-to-play system's kind of been hurting us over these past couple of decades? I mean, yeah, it's easy to say, yeah, it hurts us, but, I mean, it's it's hard to change it, I feel. Mm. Um, I mean, why is that? soccer as a whole, they have to figure out a way to change it and make it yeah. where it where it makes sense. I mean, obviously that hurts us a ton where the only kids that can play when they're growing up are the kids that can pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the initiatives, I was going to say earlier, the initiatives that they're doing around some cities um, with putting up football courts mm-hmm. um, where ba- old basketball courts used to be, mm-hmm. I think that's huge because it gives huge. kids an opportunity just yeah. to pick up a ball with their yeah. friends and go play yeah. uh, and get that creative side and just the, the love of the game, the joy of playing. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big role is they need to figure out a way to, to I mean, we have, whatever, how many people, 350,000 or a million, I mean, 350 million people yeah, living yeah, in this yeah. country. I mean, we have a huge population and how do we get more kids to play at a, at a young age? Yeah. Strange when I feel like the, they always make the comparison to Europe. Uh, um, but mm. it, it's never, it's a different world. Like, mm-hmm. it's never going to be, it's yeah. too easy to say, do what they do there, you yeah, know. It's, yeah. it's a different world we live in over here. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's going to be a bit of a long process for them to figure it out, but it's going to be, have to be a unique you know, system that they yeah. they create. Um, yeah. Clearly, the one that's in there now isn't working. Doing enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's going to take some time, that's for sure. Because the reason you have to that this pay to play thing as well is because is because there's how would you pay the coaches if the kids aren't paying? Because mm-hmm. you're not getting the funding as much mm-hmm. from the federation, etc. A lot of clubs in the rest of the world, if you want to have a successful club. In the youth, the youth, they sell players. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't sell players right now with MLS and stuff because you have these these caps and these rules to protect the league, which is good because you want stability in the league. You don't want bidding wars yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. until you have some kind of, I guess, incentive to develop players monetarily, 
sort of you're not gonna have you have to pay to play because until you say hey this little kid from the street I'm gonna he looks like he has potential I'm gonna invent the club's gonna invest in him because I know we can get something Mm -hmm. out of him in the future Mm -hmm. you know what I mean other than that you're not gonna invest in him as much because you need to pay your coaches you need to have that kid that's maybe not so good and he's paying more Mm -hmm. to come in and play so you need some kind of structure but when does that start it's a tough one isn't there a rule in FIFA where like Pulisic, for example, now he's in Dortmund. Aren't Harrisburg or whatever club he played for supposed to get a percentage of yeah. his so there's a stuff? compensation. Yeah. So, so depending on how many years you were with, a, so it actually held me back. It's till you're 23. If a club, if a club has you for say, I was with Beerschot for eight years, and everyone else 22. Mm-hmm. If I was to sign with a club before I was 23, mm-hmm. they have to pay eight years compensation fair. And that yeah, goes and such a, a long way. And that's, yeah, so when you put in the time and you develop a certain amount of kids. Yeah. You know, I remember when I played for Bielefeld, they had a kid a year older than me. They sold him to Hamburg for a couple of million, and that's the youth academy paid for several years. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you can bring in more yeah. players who yeah. might not be well off, and I think that's yeah. we're kind of backwards out here. Scholarship system. Yeah, college system is quite yeah. different, yeah. you know. Um, it's, it's like I say they're going to have to come up with something mm-hmm. unique in Toronto I think they've already started that conversation Toronto FC does something with the local clubs uh, because they don't have all the way down for development you know, to there so they'll they'll have partnerships with local clubs and then one of those local boys end up making first team they'll they'll give compensation to I think, I think it's a good president you know mm-hmm. what I mean because it gives these these neighborhood clubs are a, a, a really incentive to, to develop players and not just, oh, I'm just going to win some state cups. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because winning those state cups is what gets the coaches looked at because yeah. you have to feed your family and then you get you move on. But if the coaches are, have the right mindset to develop players and they're getting the, cl- the small right. clubs are getting compensated for it, everyone wins. Right. So how do you guys, what do you guys think the MLS needs to do to improve the quality of players that's helping out the U.S. national team? I think... I think they got to get the minimum wage. Obviously, it's easier to say, but uh, I think the moves that they made this this last off season in particular. Mm-hmm. I think they brought in a lot of international players, and I don't know. Maybe it made the product on the field better. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But I think they need to they need to start making it a priority to get their domestic players on the field. Yeah. And to give them experience playing because, like we said earlier, like there's nothing that substitutes it. Like yeah. kids, these players need to be able to play at a high level and uh, get that experience to become better players and to help our national team. You think playing the youth more will also be tremendous for us as well? I mean, I mean, yeah, I think they, they have to be ready. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you, can't you, just you can't just throw them out on the field. Yeah, and I mean, they got to be ready. They got to they got to be able to contribute uh, and make the make the product on the field uh, just as good or better right it's a result oriented game <laughs> it is, it is a, it's so one of the, the it was strange to me when you come to America when you when you're 23 24 you're still a young lad mm. you know, yeah. You, you, yeah. yeah it's delayed you know mm-hmm. I remember diff- back home you, they're throwing you in 16, 17 mm-hmm. and it's sink or swim and mm-hmm. I remember coming here and one of the boys messing about and still a young lad he's only 23 and I just blew my mind you yeah. know like yeah. this that's the difference this is, it's a different mm-hmm. mindset mm-hmm. you know I feel like in in America 23 you're too young 29 you're too old it's a, it's a right. small window yeah. for yeah. for players to <laughs> work yeah. in uh, 
Seriously. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an older league compared to most as far as like where the, the youth starts. Yeah, <laughs> colleges, yeah. Cause the college, yeah, the college yeah. system. It's kind of like that in Israel as well, because yeah. they have the army. Well, you were saying, for example, like if you look at your career, you were bouncing around multiple teams when you were a teenager, early 20s. You came over here when you were at 22, 23? Yeah, I felt like a great man. Exactly, you know? exactly. It's a difference. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a big different difference. world. Um, it's, you gotta, you got to give these boys a chance. Like mm-hmm. I said, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And, I th- you know, I th- until you throw them in there, you never know. No. I think it's it's this whole backup plan thing. Because don't, people don't go all in in the U.S., because they're like, you gotta get your education first, and uh, but someplace in the world you don't have yeah. that choice. You gotta go all in. So these kids are like, all right, well, I'm just gonna go to college first, and, and it's a great maneuver. I think yeah. a lot, ninety nine percent of these kids aren't ready to make these jumps. So you have to go. I think it's a great way to uh, get your see yeah. your your act together and see if you can actually make it. But but everywhere else in the world the reason these kids are ready too is they're also mentally ready to say mm-hmm. hey I have to make it here mm-hmm. or else it's nothing kids at 19 in the academy here say I can make it here but I can just go to UCLA and ball out <laughs> and get my chance in yeah. Yeah. the next yeah. three years it, yeah. it's, it's a kind of different mentality so with the USL growing and you're starting to see more teenagers we're talking about teenagers becoming professionals I don't know if you guys have seen the 15 or 16 year old on LA yeah. who's just been killing it would you guys go straight well you two for example you were playing pro when you were a teenager but would you guys go kind of straight to the professional route with the USL kind of getting stronger or would you still go the same college route and then go professionally I mean it's different for every player yeah. um, for whatever opportunities they have uh, I mean turning down a call like a scholarship or turning down college tuition and, and yeah. getting that that education that can set you up when you're done playing, it's huge. I mean, yeah, yeah. you can only play the game so long. Yeah. Um, and it's don't get me wrong. It's it's a it's a hell of a job, and it's it's mm-hmm. unreal to show up to work every day and play and play soccer and play something that we love to do. Mm-hmm. But you can only do it so long, and, and you need to be able to uh, provide something afterwards. And I so agree. college gives you that opportunity. Yeah. But having said that, <laughs> if you're good enough. And, you can make that jump. It's four years lost earnings, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna go big and you're making hey. a million a year, you yeah. cost you a few yeah. quid. You can go back and play for college for free. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah, tough. It's because you boys pay so much for school. You yeah, know? it's a very yeah. tough decision, man. Because yeah. I have young younger brothers in mm-hmm. the academy in Orlando, mm-hmm. and like these, I pre- I've been preparing this. You know, <laughs> like, hey, if these opportunities come, what would you do? Just a test, just see where you are. You know what I mean? And then one of them was like, oh, I'm going to college for sure. And the other one was like, nah, I'm going for a mm-hmm. you know? yeah. It's just it's personal preference. And it, and it depends on the opportunity. Too. If you're going yeah. to a place where they're going to give you a chance, then it, it might be worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you're going to a place where you're just going to, it's, it's, it's not the case, you, you might want to mm-hmm. take the other route. You know, Nothing's guaranteed, but you yeah. still have to look at it logically. What's the deal in America? If you go for a, go play MLS for a year, could you, you couldn't mm-hmm. get a no college no. eligibility. That's yeah, the, no that's college. the yeah. problem, you know? Yeah. I think they're trying to change that that that, yeah. that thing because that's why now those kids can play with these two teams and still go to college right, right? Yeah. there's amateur like right. isms like, even last now. year with the steel we had yeah you got the 
guy who got subbed down to hurt Dan, he's only 16 or 17 yeah, years old. Yeah, but he still, has, he still has Yeah, he's committed to Indiana next year. See, that's huge. Yeah, he's 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 yeah. If he needs to, if he needs to go to college afterwards, he has yeah. that availability. Yeah, yeah she should have to change. make that live decision at 17. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they've been, that's this year. Last year, he started big games against us with Tampa, and his guys had amazing assists, and we're winning ones against Tampa the whole time. He was a 16-year-old. Junior in high school, like I couldn't imagine being a junior in high school playing against Joe Cole and whoever yeah, yeah, else yeah. they have. Like it just goes well for your career in a yeah. long, long way. So the second you step foot on an MLS field, you're ready. You're, no, you're not uh, allowed to go to school. Oh, no, they change uh, uh, it now. They change it. it no, it depends on if you're in an academy or a home. Yeah, if you're getting paid, you're done. Yeah. You sign a professional contract, you're done. Yeah, but they because they're coming contract. from the academy. It's like that's some development rules. Development it's still free. Yeah. And yeah, here's the thing. So you have some kind of conversation, but it's not considered your paycheck. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you still earn, you have eligibility as an amateur. Yeah. How do you guys use your platforms as professionals to affect others? I think just like we said, with, with coaching and stuff, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's the newer generations are always coming up and uh i like like we have younger brothers and he has a son so yeah we're always around the younger generation and helping obviously we have appearances where you have to go to schools and stuff like that and it makes a it makes a big difference because you're also selling the sport every time you go yeah. out in the community yeah. you know what i mean because yeah. everywhere else in the world you might be worshipped and everyone <laughs> sees you oh he's a football but not here so you come out and you have to be very professional. You have to say, all right, this is the Riverhounds or whatever, and this is who we are. And like, you, you, you're selling the sport as yourself, and, and you try to obviously give back to you know the community. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys saw my Instagram a couple of days ago, but I asked the question, in the next 30 years, do you guys think there'll be an American Ballon d'Or winner? You guys think that in the next 30 years? 30 years is a long time. <laughs> the long time. Just kids now that are not yeah, even born yet. They yeah, could. yeah, exactly. You know, and that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier, is the U.S. going on the right path, per se, to develop a player of this quality. I think it's very possible. I think, like I said, I think you get the, the elite American athletes in soccer cleats. Yeah. You know? I think there's more chance of that than them winning the World Cup. I would to be say. fair, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's only going to be six, seven... Seven World Cups in thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> seven, seven, chances. Chances. seven chances. And right now, have you 30. seen? Have you seen? Look at like if you look at the U.S. youth teams, because mm-hmm. uh, my dad's involved in football as well. He's in Orlando, and he always does these statistics. Asian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always these these, these statistics, statistical breakdowns, and he's literally watched all the U.S. rosters over the years. And like back in your years, they were all college players. The youth team, the eighteens, and, and you look at these eighteens now, and they're all professional candidates. That's true. Either that's Europe true. or anywhere. It's, you can true. see that, that already. Growth, that growth that's is there. Yeah. That growth yeah. is there already. So yeah. if you're seeing these kids, what's the kid that just went to Werder Bremen? Oh, uh, yeah. the, the, the striker. Yeah, yeah. like like he's mm-hmm. making that decision mm-hmm. right there, and there we have all these and McKenny and Lewis and all those guys yeah. already there, yeah. and and are getting recognition. Thirty years, mm-hmm. come on, like so you, you can you can see it. It's it could happen. Possible. Very yeah. possible. We even like Timothy Way at PSG and stuff. Once we exactly. start getting more players at these top clubs and exactly. putting the US on the map more, I think things are gonna change. Exactly, exactly. So I appreciate you guys coming out on the show. My tenth episode. Be sure to subscribe, 
You can follow along for the couple more episodes coming out. Thanks for listening in, footy fans, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Everyone have a good rest of your day.